Please turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36 this morning. Uh, last time we began Jesus' sermon on the plain, where uh, the Lord Jesus spoke to us about true blessedness or true happiness. And there we were reminded that the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ do not find their joy ultimately in riches, in satisfaction, in laughter, or in being well-liked. But rather, their joy is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so whether times are good or bad, the disciples of Jesus can rejoice because their joy is anchored in one who will never let them go and who can never be taken away from them, the Lord Jesus himself. Now, in many ways, that was a challenging passage because it made us ask the question of ourselves, where is my treasure? Uh, what is the, the source of my, my joy? Is it the things of this earth, the temporary and fleeting things of this earth, or is it ultimately grounded in Christ and what he has achieved for us? It's a challenging question, but uh, I want to say, friends, buckle your seatbelts today because Jesus' teaching gets even more challenging in the passage before us uh, today. I think this is one of the hardest sayings that Jesus gave to his disciples, not because it's hard to understand, but because what Jesus is calling us to do. And uh, before I make you all feel uncomfortable today, let me just tell you I've come from a week of feeling uncomfortable as I've wrestled with this passage and thought about my, my own life. When I, when I look at these verses and what Jesus says, and I look at my own life, there's a significant gap. And my hunch is, as you listen to what Jesus says, that I will not be the only one feeling that way this morning. And so we need to come ready to be challenged by the Lord Jesus and we need to come with hearts praying that Jesus would change us in these very areas by his word and spirit. And so before we read God's word this morning, let's pray to that end and ask for the Lord's blessing. Let's pray together. Father, we confess with shame that we have so often heard but not often listened and obeyed. We pray that you would open our ears today to hear and receive all that you would say to us. And Lord, that your word, by the work of your spirit, would be worked into the depths of our hearts and from there begin to transform us. Uh, Lord, we pray that we would be sheep who hear the voice of the good shepherd today. And not only hear his voice, but respond and follow him. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. Let us hear together the word of God. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Our God is a loving God, and we as his people are to be a loving people. And we understand that as uh, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are, to, we are to show the love of Christ to others, but we are not only to show love to family members and and friends, and and brothers, and sisters in Christ Jesus know what Jesus is calling us to here is far more shocking and far more challenging. Uh, Jesus is calling us here to love those, not simply those who love us, but to love those who do not love us. Indeed, to love those who despise us. You see, Jesus' teaching challenges our thinking about who we love. And, And he wants to change something that is deeply ingrained in our hearts. And and that is the tendency to love those who love us and only love those who have something to offer to us. And we may we may think of ourselves as pretty nice, pretty loving people, but the fact of the matter is, I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we are simply loving people who love us in return. Or we are loving people who have something to offer back to us. Now, that can be a challenge in and of itself, loving people who who love us. Uh, because sometimes, frankly, they can be difficult to love, and we can be difficult to love. 
and even they can hurt us. But Jesus is talking about a different group of people. He is, he is calling us to love people who do not love us, people who don't have anything to give to us, and people who very well indeed may have our harm in view. And so the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to is a shocking love, but it's also a supernatural love. It's so important that we understand this. I think we need to understand that Jesus isn't calling us here to love our enemies in order to become Christians. Jesus isn't saying here, love your enemies and treat others as you would like to be treated because that's how you become a Christian. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is speaking to those who have experienced the undeserved, unmerited mercy of God in their lives. And they are children of, of the Most High. And so he calls his children to a supernatural love. A love that we cannot simply conjure up on our own. And I think Jesus is going to make that clear in our passage as we get into it. But you know, some people, some people will listen or read a passage like this. They'll hear the message on a superficial level, love your enemies, treat others as you would like to be treated. And they'll say, hey, that that sounds pretty good. That sounds like a, a good ethic to live by. And so I'm I'm going to go and do that. Frankly, dear friends, if you try to do this without the resources given to us in the gospel and without being a child of God, one, you're going to be frustrated. Two, you're going to fail. Uh, The only way that this kind of love can be manifested in our lives is if we have first of all experienced the mercy and kindness of God in our own lives. A mercy and grace that is shown to undeserving, ungrateful sinners who were once enemies of God. And so you ask the question, why do Christians love their enemies? Those who hate us, those who despise us, those who would seek our harm. And the answer is simple. Because this is exactly how the Father has loved us. And so let me say, with, with, with the utmost sympathy and the utmost sincerity, while we acknowledge that we have indeed suffered great wrongs in our own lives, and I'm not making light of that at all, we need to acknowledge how awful some of the wrongs we have endured in our own lives. But friends, I want to say to you that all of those wrongs don't even compare to what you have done to God what we have done to God. If we do not understand that, then we do not understand our own sin and we do not understand the gospel because all of us have rejected God. All of us have despised God. All of us have treated God as an inconvenience. All of us have been embarrassed by God. All of us have failed God. All of us have sinned and rebelled against God. And while we love to make much of ourselves, we have found it a burden to make much of God. And in our hearts, we have despised him. And apart from Christ and God's saving mercy, we deserve his wrath. 
And many of us have, have heard this from, from childhood, but, but it has yet to sink into the depths of our hearts and really take hold of us that we deserve to be treated as enemies of God because enemies of God we once were. That we've despised him, but despite our rejection of God, despite our rebellion against God, despite what we've done in sin against God and how we've sinned against God by failing to do what ought to be done, the gospel tells us that while we were God's enemies, the Father in his love and in his mercy sent his Son to endure the wrath that we deserved. And in this is love, not that we loved God. We hated him. But he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. And so you see what Jesus is saying when he tells us to love our enemies and be merciful as our father is merciful. It is a reflection of the love and the mercy that has been poured out in our lives as the children of God. And we are being called here to show forth the, the family resemblance to show what it means to be saved and bought children of the Most High. And now having experienced then this unmerited, undeserved, unfathomable mercy of God the Father, Jesus says, love your enemies. And so how do we do this? How, how do we love our enemies? To help us put this into practice, Jesus gives us three further commands, and then three illustrations of what loving our enemies may look like. And he finishes it with what the so-called golden rule, which is very often misunderstood. And we're going to reserve some of those verses for next Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll think together about the golden rule. But let's look at these three commands that expand on what it means to love our enemies. In, in verse 27, Jesus says, do good to those who hate you. So what does it mean to do good? Well, it means, I think, to thoughtfully and effectively pursue the benefit of another. So, so here, how shocking what Jesus is saying here. Uh, somebody hates you. Somebody despises you. Jesus says, love them and do good to them. And it's in the present continuous. And so Jesus is saying, do good and do good and do good. And keep striving to do good by thoughtfully and effectively seeking their benefit. And friends, this is precisely what God the Father has done. He shows his kindness and mercy, as Jesus says here, to the ungrateful and evil. One commentator I read this week said this. Listen to these words. To return evil for good is devilish. To return good for good is human. And to return good for evil is divine. When, when we show acts of kindness to those who do not deserve it, we are reflecting the character of God, the character of God that is good to all. You know, so often we hear about the problem of evil uh, when natural or moral tragedy strikes, this question arises about the problem of evil. If God is sovereign and God is good, why do these bad things happen? We hear about that all the time. 
But what doesn't receive the attention that I think it needs to receive is what we should call the problem of good. It, it should unsettle us when we come to realize that you and I are sucking in air this morning that is provided by God. We should recognize that that's a problem. For God's word tells us that the, the wages of sin is death, and yet you and I go on living. We go on enjoying the, the sunshine that shines down upon our faces and the rain that God sends to replenish the earth. We go on enjoying the many good gifts that God bestows upon all people. We enjoy family and, and friends and, and books and entertainment and sports. We enjoy the roof over our heads and the memories that we form with our families under that roof. Uh, we enjoy the strength and the health that God gives to us in order that we can work and provide for our families and yet, we don't always realize that this is a problem because no one deserves it. And yet, God is good to all. You see, the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to here is not a uh, pie-in-the-sky, wishy feeling that just wishes someone well. No, Jesus says, love them by doing good and by effectively and thoughtfully seeking their benefit and in doing so you will reflect your heavenly father so to love your enemies do good and secondly bless those who curse you jesus says that is i think our, our words to them and about them are to be kind and and gracious we're not to, to tear them down with our words, but we are to, to build them up. So you see what Jesus again is saying. When someone hates you and wants to harm you and make your life miserable, what's one thing you should be doing? Bless them with your words. Friends, what, what's your de default reaction here? When somebody curses you, when, when somebody is seeking your harm, is our, is our default reaction to in any way possible bless them and speak words of grace and words of kindness about them. Then he gives a third command. Love your enemies by praying for those who abuse you. Many of you will be familiar with the, the Scottish uh, Olympian athlete Eric Liddell, or Little if you're Scottish, I guess. Um, reading a new biography about him right now. We know about his refusal to participate in uh, competitions on the Lord's Day. But perhaps what's less well known is that he spent the latter years of his life in a Japanese internment camp in China. And, uh, you know, conditions were awful. He was at times mistreated. But what did Eric Liddell do every day? In the dark, before everyone was awake, he was on his knees praying for himself, for others, and yes, even for the Japanese soldiers who held him there. And at night, after studying his Bible, you'd find him again on his knees praying for his enemies. Sounds like Stephen in Acts chapter 
7, you know, when the rocks are being hurled at him until he lays lifeless on the ground. What does Stephen pray for? That God would be merciful to these people. Or like Jesus, when Jesus is being crucified on the cross by the hands of, of wicked men, Jesus prays for them. That God would show them mercy, that God would forgive them. And so, friends, how are we to react to people who detest us, who detest what we're about as followers of Jesus Christ? How do we respond to to politicians who despise Christians and what they stand for? Or maybe it's just someone in your life who maligns you for following the Lord Jesus in a serious way. How do you respond? Jesus says, love them by doing good, blessing them, and praying for them. And and my friends, as we live in a society that is increasingly hostile to real Christianity, how shall we respond? Jesus says, with love. What will that love look like? It will look like hands busy doing good. Mouths filled with blessing and grace and kindness and hearts devoted to prayer. As we go on in this passage, there are these three commands. And now, the Lord Jesus in verses uh, 29 through 31 gives us three illustrations of what loving our enemy may look like. And remember that he's, yes, he's talking to a crowd here, but I think he specifically has his his disciples and the inner 12, the apostles in mind. And we need to keep in mind that this is exactly what they would face. This is exactly what they would experience in their own lives. And so in verse 29, he says that to love your enemy will mean that when someone insults you and humiliates you and seeks to shame you for following Christ, you will not retaliate, but you will be prepared to endure further insults. Look at the verse. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Now, I think we need to make sure we understand what Jesus is is not saying. Uh, Jesus is is not saying that we're to suffer abuse in all possible circumstances. Uh, Jesus, nor is Jesus promoting some kind of, I think, passivism in this passage. There's, there's a context to these verses. So Jesus isn't making a, a catch-all statement about dur- enduring physical or verbal abuse. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And remember back in verse 22, he's already told his disciples as they follow him what they can expect. They will be rejected and excluded and, and maligned and, and even persecuted. And the slap on the cheek that Jesus speaks about, I think, refers to the public insults and the rejection and perhaps at times physical abuse that his disciples would face for their faith in the Lord Jesus. And so by turning the other cheek, Jesus is saying, my followers must be prepared to endure insult after insult after insult without retaliating for the sake of me and the gospel. And and rather than retaliating or seeking revenge, When we are shamed, we should endure insults and revulsions like Jesus did. You remember the words of Peter in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 23. Peter says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, 
but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, sometimes these kinds of insults will come from people we work with. Sometimes our neighbors will make snide remarks for our commitment to Christ and his church. Uh, Sometimes, perhaps our own family members will malign us for following Jesus sincerely. What is Jesus saying to us here? Don't retaliate when people mock you, when people seek to shame you, but show love by enduring the insults and entrusting your life to God. The second illustration is in the second part of verse 29. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Now, Jesus isn't saying that we should be happy to you know, let people steal from us. Leave, leave your doors unlocked at night and tell people, yeah, come on in and take whatever you want. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that when you are wronged for the sake of the kingdom, that you don't try to get even, but you use it as an opportunity to show love to those who have mistreated you. You, you must be prepared to endure much for the sake of the gospel. And so Jesus mentions uh, the, the cloak, that, which is uh, the outer garment. It would be kind of like my jacket. And, and uh, the tunic was the shirt, the, the inner clothing. I won't demonstrate for you because we have lunch after this. But Jesus is saying, somebody takes your shirt or your, your cloak, your jacket, give them your shirt also. And so we're being called to endure insults without retaliation. And when you are wronged for following Jesus, you meet that wrong, he says, with selfless love. And in the third illustration deals with generosity. Uh, not, a, not a blind generosity that fosters an unhealthy dependence or a, a, a blind generosity that would give to someone who would use those things for evil purposes. But when we see a real need, Jesus is saying, we don't just sit back and wish them well, but we actively seek to meet that need in whatever way we can. We, we, we are called to a love that sees genuine needs and gives generously to meet that need, not to a stingy and uncaring attitude. And, and when, therefore, there's a, a real need, we should be ready to give. And again, it's in the continuous, give and give and give insofar as God enables you to give with discernment. So he's telling us to have a spirit of generosity. That should be true of us as individual disciples, and it should be true of us as, as a church, to look for needs and to give and to give and to give as far as God enables us. You know, I, uh, we, we spend all kinds of time making financial budgets. Uh, we put all kinds of money aside and try to save up. We try to make a 5, 10 year, 20, 30 year plan. We try to be good stewards of our, our money. We put lots of effort into it and that's a good thing. I think that's a, a wise thing to do. But I think a question we need to ask ourselves is how much effort do we put into looking outside of ourselves and our immediate circles to meeting, to seeing the needs of others and meeting the needs of others. 
And so this is uh, the, the shocking command of Jesus. People who, people who hate you, people who curse you, people who abuse you, people who perhaps would try to take advantage of you. Jesus says, love them. Um, do good to them. Bless them. Pray for them. Care for them. Seek to meet their needs. Give yourself to them. <laughs> now, when, when you hear how challenging what Jesus is saying is, and when you begin to think, how am I going to put this into practice in my life? I, I hope I'm not the only one feeling as though, Lord, how can I love like this? Uh, how can I love my enemies in the way that you are speaking about? And the good news is Jesus helps us here, and he tells us in verses 35 through 36. Take a look at those verses with me. Again, he repeats the command, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. You hear what Jesus is saying there? Jesus is talking about motives, and he's saying, don't, don't let your motives be, I'm going to love this person in hopes that one day they will love me back, or I'm going to love this person in hopes that one day I'll receive back from them. If, if that's the fuel your engine is running on, then you're going to run out of gas. But Jesus takes our focus off of what is temporary, and he fixes our eyes upon what is eternal. He speaks about a great reward. Now, this isn't to make this the motive self-centered here, but Jesus is genuinely trying to encourage us and motivate his disciples. You know, why do we need to hear about a reward here? Because he knows he's calling us to love people who may never respond positively to that love. He's saying the reward is not reciprocated love. Love in return. And he wants to encourage us as he calls us to love people who may never love us back and who may never have anything to give back in return. How do you love in that kind of circumstance? Jesus is saying by knowing that God is going to give you everything you need. Not because you deserve it. Not because you've in some way earned it but because this is how lavish and free the grace and mercy of our Heavenly Father is. And so in this life, he's saying, you can give and love and give and love and pour yourself out because you know that God is going to give you above and beyond all that you could ever imagine or need in heaven. But to encourage us even further, Jesus not only speaks of a gracious reward, he also tells us to love our enemies because by doing so, we will bear the fam family resemblance of our heavenly father. Our father who shows love and mercy to the ungrateful and evil. And we know that's true, dear friends, because he has shown love and mercy to us. So who... Who is God calling you to love in this way? We need to bring this down to the personal level. Maybe it's a relationship with a coworker, a family member, someone 
you know and you just don't know how you can love like this. And Jesus is saying, if your motive is to love them in, in hopes that they'll love you back, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to be disappointed. But if we love out of the love that we have freely received from the Heavenly Father in the Gospel, if we realize how much our Father has loved us to make us his children, then that changes our motives. And not only that, it gives us the resources we need in order to love, as Jesus is calling us to love here. The love of God, we're told, has been shed abroad in, in our hearts. He, he loved us when we didn't deserve it. He loved us when we hated him. He loved us when we were ungrateful and when we were his enemies. He loved us when we had nothing to offer to him but our, our sin. And it was when we were his enemies, you see, the Father reached out in love and mercy and delivered up his only son to make enemies children of the Most High God. This is what the Father has done in the Gospel. And so Jesus says, you are loved. You have received mercy. You are in the family of God. You, you will be children of the Most High. So be like your father. I, I've, I've achieved something for you that, that you don't have to build, so you don't have to build your hopes on being loved and, and liked in this world. Build your hope upon the eternal inheritance that belongs to children of the Heavenly Father. And, and with that hope, go and love the most difficult people in the most difficult circumstances, even if it seems like there is no hope of them ever loving you back. And so Jesus is calling for, for a shocking and supernatural love, dear friends. We cannot love like this apart from the grace of God and the gospel. What I want you to see here is Jesus is teaching us that the, the gospel saves us and then the gospel transforms us. And Jesus wants to transform this area of our lives. My friends, we can't help but acknowledge it, but Jesus is, that Jesus is meddling in our lives here. He's, he's stepping on toes and he's saying, this is the area of your life that the gospel is now going to begin to transform. Where we've had it so ingrained in our hearts as fallen children of Adam to only love those who love us or love those who, who are able to do something for us. Jesus is saying the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. You are children of God. And now the gospel is going to begin to reshape how you think about love. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves, though, in terms of application is, do, do we love like this? Are, are we loving like this? Are, are we seeking people's good? Are we blessing them? Are we, are we praying for them? Or are we fairly nice religious people until someone hurts us or maligns us or speaks against us, and then we're ready to blast them? Are we a loving, merciful people? Are we, or are we a spiteful, vengeful people? And Jesus is saying this is precisely 
the area of your life where the power of the gospel is going to begin to manifest itself. As you begin to love people that formerly you did not love. And it's going to display the powerful grace of God at work in your life. Friends, we need to remember the good news of the gospel in this passage. Because if you are in Christ, you were loved when you didn't deserve it. You were shown mercy when you didn't deserve it. You were shown kindness when you deserved to be wiped out. And Jesus is saying, this is the love and mercy that your father has shown to you. Now be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. May it be so in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a God who loved his enemies by sending his own son to save all who put their trust in him. And we thank you for the the undeserved love and mercy that you have poured out in our lives. And we pray today, Heavenly Father, that as you are loving and merciful, that we, your people, would be loving and merciful to others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.